Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and Black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. And good afternoon, everybody, and greetings from Berga, just outside of Kalamata in southern Greece. You'd be forgiven if you thought that the uh, the entire world is on fire, both uh, figuratively and literally. I say figuratively because uh, virtually every day, it seems, we're, we're faced with a, a barrage of bad news. Another scandal, another corrupt official avoiding justice, another attack on our freedoms or our pocketbooks or our children or an attack on common sense. Uh, there are rumblings that COVID restrictions could return this fall. Already, some hospitals are reinstating mask requirements because, of course, they worked so well the first time. In fact, 
the geniuses at Pfizer already have the next vaccine ready to go. I guess this wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that Pfizer saw their second quarter earnings fall 54%. We have an Ottawa police officer on trial because she dared investigate the possible role of the COVID vaccine and the deaths of nine infants. There's a new Belgian study which concludes the Pfizer mRNA jab is responsible for inducing turbo cancer. That's right. In the study by Sander Fens et al., they injected 14 mice with two Pfizer COVID mRNA vaccines two days after second Pfizer dose. One uh, of the 14 mice, that's 7%, died suddenly had turbo cancer with lymphoma infiltration of many organs, liver, kidney, spleen, lungs, and intestines. The turbo cancer mouse had shown no clinical signs of illness before sudden death. This is the second study to show turbo cancer after Pfizer mRNA vaccination. And these were the types of studies that Pfizer and Moderna should have performed on mice, but never did. Here's a key point from the study. This 14-mouse study was larger than the study done to approve COVID-19 Omicron bivalent mRNA booster shots, which were given to hundreds of millions of people. That study only had eight mice. We have a former president facing jail for doing the very same thing Al Gore did in 2000, question the validity of an election. Remember the hanging chads on the ballots in Florida? It's not a crime to question the outcome of an election in the United States until now. A man obliterates the Canadian women's powerlifting record and is cheered on by actual women. A dude plays on a woman's rugby team and often injures opposing women players and again is cheered on by actual women. The world is on fire. But the world is also on fire quite literally. We have this horrible wildfire in Hawaii back on August the 8th that left over 100 people dead and maybe up to a thousand more unaccounted for, possibly dead, many of them children. That fire is being blamed on global warming. But that's a lie. High winds, down power lines, and criminal ineptitude from government, uh, government and officials in Maui are the real culprits. 20,000 residents of Yellowknife had to evacuate after an out-of-control fire ra uh, raged through that town. Again, the Liberal government also trying to blame the fire on climate change. But the RCMP says, no, it's arson. And now we have a fire threatening thousands of homes in Kelowna, B.C. No word on any official cause, but again, Liberals are quite certain, oh, it's climate change. And now Canada's former ministry, Minister of Climate Change, Catherine McKenna. Remember her? Climate Barbie? She stepped away from cabinet and retired from politics in disgrace after somehow managing to lose track of more than $50 billion worth of government-funded infrastructure contracts. Whoops. I'll try and do better, was her defense. Now this disgraced and inept grifter has launched or it latched, rather, onto these tragedies in Yellowknife and Kelowna and is accusing anyone who doesn't support the federal government's carbon taxes of arson. That's right. 
If you disagree with the carbon tax, you're responsible for the wildfires in Kelowna and Yellowknife. On Saturday, she tweeted this out. Conservative politicians want to fight about a uh, want to fight about a price on carbon pollution. You want to make it free to pollute while Canadians pay with their lives, threatened homes, destroyed and their communities obliterated. So what are you going to do? You are the arsonists. So let me get this straight. If you don't support the carbon tax, if you complain about the carbon tax, you're a murderer. Got it? Wait a second, crazy lady. How can complaining about a carbon tax that doesn't lower carbon emissions make one an arsonist? I suppose you could make that argument if, A, these wildfires indeed are caused by climate change. There is no proof of that. In fact, arson is often the proven cause or fires set accidentally. B, if the carbon tax actually reduced the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, which it hasn't, In fact, Canada has never met a single solitary carbon emission reduction goal under the crime minister. And that's a good thing, since most sensible people are now realizing carbon dioxide is good. It's not a pollutant. It's a nutrient. And the world is greening because of it. Or C, if the conservatives actually were in power and scrapped the carbon tax, as they're promising to do, and then CO2 emissions increased, which they won't, and even if they did, That wouldn't be a terrible thing. And then forest fires increased as a result of the increase in CO2, except, again, there's no proof of that happening. So in short, Catherine McKenna, who lost $52 billion, is just plain wrong. But more importantly, she's callous and horrible for trying to politicize a human tragedy. And she really needs to continue her exile of shame and just stop talking. Climate Barbie, please just stop talking or tweeting. Just go away. I wanted to share this tweet from uh, someone called Sheldon Yakuchuk, who goes by the the, uh, handle Yakstack. Sheldon tweets, the Canadian elite, the ones who've been forced to elect We've been forced to elect into our representation because of no better options who don't pay for their own travel, transport, gas or groceries because we do who make more than double of the average Canadian want you to believe that they understand your troubles and that they're here to help. Their solution to affordable living are more taxes. Their solution to affordable accommodations is unsustainable immigration. Their solution to racism is more racism. Their solution to a failing healthcare system is medically assisted suicide. Their solution to crime is letting criminals out on the streets. Their solution to drug overdose is to legalize illicit narcotics and provide the paraphernalia for them to uh, for them and support these people begging and getting stoned in the streets. More drugs. Their solution to homelessness is allowing 10 cities in every major metropolitan city. Their solution to their failing policies is controlling the media and creating crises, which where none exist, so that they can continue to take more of your hard-earned money to spend it on less of the things that make your life better and more affordable. And if you don't agree, they call you names. They send your money to foreign countries while telling you that you need to hunker down, tighten up your belt, cancel your streaming services, suck it up. 
Over the course of the last four years, they've shut down the economy, closed schools, locked away, locked you away from your loved ones, forced you to be a medical lab rat, scared the population of the country about a virus that has had less impact than everything above. You complied. You lost your job. You lost your savings. You lost your home, your family, your dignity, your opportunity for a better life. Because you're a good person, you obey the laws while they walk around without repercussions. You pay your taxes so they can spend you into poverty. Your life gets worse while their futures couldn't be brighter. They've taken the blue, red, green, and purple ants, thrown them, thrown them into one jar and shaken them up. They want us to fight amongst ourselves so that we don't unite against them. Well, I've had enough. And when you decide that you've had enough, I want you to connect with me and let's start letting our voices get heard. Let's start to take back the conversation. Our lives and the future of our children and grandchildren depend on it. Yak stack. Well done. Well said. All right. Once again, we are coming to you live from Greece all summer long and brought to you by our good friends at the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa. CretanDreamResort.gr. CretanDreamResort.gr. Check out the photo gallery there. Absolutely stunning. And of course, you could win a seven-night stay at this incredibly luxurious five-star resort on the island of Crete. Just go to Saga960am.ca for contest rules. Saga960am.ca for contest rules. Also, our Instagram page at Saga960. And uh, just after the news today... At 5 p.m., I'll be announcing the Greek word of the week. So you want to be listening to that Greek word of the week, and then you need to enter that into the contest entry form. Again, saga960am.ca, and the draw happens September the 1st. All right. TDSB teachers say the curriculum has taken a back seat to diversity, equity, and inclusive, uh, inclusivity uh, training. Sue Ann Levy from True North is next with that story. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running live from Verga in southern Greece for Monday, August the 21st in the year of our Lord, 2023. Facta non verba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. Uh, just over a month ago, a uh, Toronto school principal by the name of Richard Bilkenso tragically took his own life. He could uh, no longer endure the the strain and the um, anxiety associated with uh, being bullied and harassed at uh, basically a uh, re-education camp that was run by an organization called the Kojo Institute, contracted to the Toronto District School Board. He was shamed and humiliated for his whiteness, basically called a white supremacist. Nobody stood up for him. None of the 200 colleagues that were in the room also having to uh, endure this horrible uh, diversity, equity, and inclusive uh, course uh, stood up for him, took his own life. But now it seems as if his death uh, is causing some teachers to, to speak out, finally, to come forward. Sue Ann Levy is an award-winning investigative reporter with True North, and she joins me now. Hey, Sue Ann, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Richard? Very well. Thank you. And uh, this is, I suppose, um, you know, somewhat encouraging that this is coming out, uh, and perhaps Richard's death will not be uh, in vain. So tell me about these TDSB 
teachers uh, who are coming to you anonymously, I guess, and and speaking mm-hmm. out? Do they do they actually say they're speaking out because of what happened to Richard Bilkstow? Yeah, it's sort of been like a domino effect because uh, first a couple of principals approached me and I met with them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they were really, really shattered by what happened. Um, and uh, then uh, when the principals spoke out and I did a piece on the principals, then the teachers uh, saw what was going on and contacted me. So I guess everybody is getting sort of... Uh, confidence from the last person who spoke and were any of the the people that spoke to you were any of them in the room uh with richard when that um diversity um nonsense was being um addressed one principal was apparently did he express regret that he didn't stand up for richard at the time uh it was a she and Uh, uh yeah uh, yes, I think that they are all feeling really, really terribly bad about it all. But they're, you know, t- in fairness to them, and not that I would have sat there on my hands and done nothing, because uh, I'm a different breed, but they're all terrified. They're all terrified of being labeled. I mean, the way the principal spoke, like they sit in their office just uh, full of fear that they could be next, that somebody will come and tap them on the shoulder and say, you know, you said something racist or you did something racist, um, which they didn't even know about. Um, so, you know, and and what happens is, I mean, according to the principals, because they don't have much union protection at all, they're sent home and left to cool their heels. They're sent on home assignment, left to cool their heels. And they don't know. I mean, one person I spoke with sat home for three years, not knowing whether she had a job or didn't have a job, you know, that kind of thing. So um, they're also finally speaking out about uh, the lack of actual education in the classroom. Uh, I guess since the pandemic, it's been totally taken over by diversity equity uh, training. Uh, and there's some amazing examples that you cite in your article. Let's let's talk about some of those things that these teachers well, are being asked to do. Well, this was even a shock to me that and I, and I have to say I have to qualify that by saying that it depends on the superintendent. If they're one of the acolytes of Colleen Russell Rollins, the education director, then they're more likely to push the diversity agenda. So uh one teacher spoke and, and the others backed her up uh, about <laughs> having to teach the kids East Indian dancing, uh, having spent or having spent an hour learning about steel pan drumming. Um, and uh, then they'd have to give seminars uh, or brainstorming sessions on Islamophobia. I mean, there's a wide variety of an, or anti-black racism. Um, and they, I mean, basically said that an hour a day, up to an hour a day is taken up with all of these woke activities. Uh, and, and are these in like social studies classes or are they doing a math class or a, an English class in order to teach, I don't know, uh, steel pan drumming? I mean, what, no, what is they being just- sacrificed? Well, everything, everything. I mean, according to the teachers I spoke with, uh, that is why t- 
test scores are so poor because they're not getting through the curriculum. They're not being able to teach math. They're not being able to teach uh, reading, uh, writing uh, to the fullest extent. And uh, so the curriculum is sacrificed. And in fact, the prevailing attitude in some of these schools is that we don't care so much about the curriculum as long as you engage in these diversity activities. And I don't know if you saw in the, in the column, which was just posted today, that they have to um, prove to the principal and vice principal every two weeks what they've done through, you know, video or uh, pictures that the kids have crafted about diversity activities. I mean, so they're called to account. And if they don't provide that information or th- that evidence that they've uh, they've taught their students steel uh, steel pan drumming or uh, indigenous cooking lessons or whatever, what happens? Yes, I forgot about the indigenous cooking lessons. That was the best. Uh, they have to bring in their own seal, apparently. <laughs> um, you know, and then they're labeled racist and Islamophobe and all these other things. And again, the teachers can be, you know, tapped on the shoulder and uh, an extremely vindictive principal or principal who's, you know, kind of siding with this woke superintendent um, can make their life difficult. And, and all the people, the teachers I spoke to, all three said that that has happened to them. Um, either by making their life difficult or pushing them out of the school or, you know, transferring them uh, for no other reason than, you know, they didn't follow the woke script. Sue Ann, we'll take a quick time out, come back and discuss uh, your interviews with TDSB teachers who are saying so much for the back to basics uh, that um, Education Minister Stephen Leachy is promising. That's all taken a backseat to this DEI training nonsense back with more of our conversation right here on the richard sarah show don't go away let's get back at it on new stock saga 960 a.m it's the richard sarah show hey just a reminder to be listening after the news at five when i announce the greek word of the week and of course your chance to win a seven night stay at the fabulous cretan dream resort and spa on the island of crete go to saga 960 am.ca for contest rules and that's also where you'll find the contest entry form that's where you type in the greek word of the week that's coming your way just after the news at five coming up a little bit later this hour open lines in fact the lines are available to you now at 289-275-9600-289-275-9600 get on board sue levy stays with us from true north tnc.news please support independent media tnc.news so while test scores are falling across the province plummeting across the province uh the um Education director at the TDSB is doubling down on all of this uh, diversity, equity and inclusion nonsense. And that is, in fact, what is being emphasized in the schools. Teachers are now finally speaking out anonymously to uh, Sue Ann uh, in large measure because uh, they've been rattled by what happened to uh, Richard Bilkso, who took his own life after being harassed and bullied at a DEI workshop run by the director of the Kojo Institute. Um so what happened to Minister Stephen Leachy's edict that um, he's going to force the school boards to get back to basics? Are they just ignoring him or what's happening there? Well, uh... are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Let's just, you know, be a bit fair. Um, that edict, I mean, the school year is about to begin, and that edict was, came at the end of the last school year. So it remains to be seen whether um, the school boards will follow through. But the principals and teachers I spoke with said there's no way that is going to happen unless the ministry keeps a very close eye on these school boards and, uh, you know, monitors whether they actually do it. Now, a lot of teachers or teachers I've spoken with say that, or have I heard from, say that they they teach the curriculum quietly and they'll probably be in trouble for doing so, but they they continue to do as best they can teaching the basics. Uh, but overall... I think this is still going to be pushed unless, uh, you know, the education ministry uh, gets some, you know, backbone and actually, you know, monitors what they're doing. How much of this is the um, the TDSB itself, the the um, the people that sit the school trustees and how much of this is uh, education director Colleen Russell Rollins and how much of this maybe is the union that's not backing the, the teachers? It's all of them. It's it, they're all it's a very incestuous bunch of people. You know, when I started to hear these stories, starting with the principals a couple of weeks ago, I thought they're all like a bunch of children, you know, and bullying like they talk about not bullying in the schoolyard and they all behave like the Mean Girls Club. I mean, you could make a movie called Mean Girls about the board and, and the union does not help whatsoever they're very woke especially the elementary teachers federation they're the worst um and you know and then you've got a very weak education minister um and then premier who probably has turned a blind eye to the fact that you know this is going on i think if teachers i mean if parents i should say were to speak up loudly more loudly and not be intimidated by school boards then you might, you know, reach the ears of those in the education ministry who matter. Um, but right now, I, I don't think, I mean, the teachers I spoke with said they don't think a lot of the teach, the parents are aware of what's going on. Well, we've seen uh, not necessarily at the TDSB, but we've seen it at the Durham School Board and the mm -hmm. Halton School Board where parents do mm -hmm. try and speak out. They're basically mm -hmm. shut down or the, the, mm -hmm. the entire school board flees to a room and calls the police. Uh, yeah. in, in Durham, they tried to ban mm -hmm. parents from the school yeah. board meetings. Uh, oh, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't seen parents show up on mass at a TDSB meeting or I haven't I haven't read about it. Have you? No, but uh, let your listeners know that I will be turning up to the next TDSB 
meeting on August 30th and plan to continue uh, being right in their faces. So I'm not a parent, but uh, I'm very interested in exposing how they behave. So, well, you're uh, a taxpayer. You're a taxpayer. Yes, Your money goes. Into I the am, school. and it's very troubling to hear what's going on. I mean, what are the options for parents who who can't deal with what's going on in the system? Pull your kids out and homeschool them, send them to private school, which is exorbitantly expensive. Uh, you know, I think parents have to take more of an interest and be more involved. And you're right, but uh, refuse to be bullied. It's their tax money. It's their children. And um, I think the movement is starting to grow, but it's it's really difficult. And of course, Educrats have not changed in the 30 years. I used to cover them in the 90s. They hit you with all this edgy babble and make you think that you're really stupid. Uh, I've seen them do that on parents. They gaslight them. August 30th, the TDSB uh, next school board meeting. Uh, and, yeah. and where is that, actually? What's the uh, the location? Uh, the 5500 uh, Young Street, uh, which is north of Shepherd, and I'm going to tell you that um, I was at the celebration of life for Richard uh, for the other Richard Richard Bilkstow yesterday, yes. and I I know that a trustee Wei Dong Pai has a motion that he's going to try and uh, get rid of Kiko Ojo Thompson, the DIE train DEI trainer. He's got yes. a motion he wants to put before the board. So you know, if any of your listeners are interested in supporting him, they should come out. August the 30th, 5500 Young Street, north of Shepherd. All yeah. right. I hope my listeners show up en masse. Be civil, but be uh, persistent. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Thank you. 7 yes. p.m. All right. Sue Ann, great work as always. Thank you. Thank you. Sue Ann Levy, investigative reporter with True North, TNC.news. All right. We've opened up the phone lines. We'll take your calls at 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. What's it going to take for parents to start showing up at school board meetings across this province and uh, demanding that their voices be heard and that we get back to the basics and park all of this DEI nonsense? 289-275-9600. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show and your calls in three minutes. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. I know maybe uh, parents are, are uh, still enjoying their summer and maybe not thinking about the school year. It's just around the corner. And um, you heard my conversation with Sue Ann Levy from True North. We have a uh, a TDSB meeting coming up on August the 30th, 7 p.m. Uh, and if you are in the TDSB or your children are attending school in the Toronto District School Board, I would strongly urge you to, uh, to show up at that meeting and uh, have your voice heard. They work for you, but they don't see it that way, the school trustees and the director of education. They think you work for them, and uh, they have to be set right. And the way to do that is to show up en masse, be civil, of course, be polite, uh, but be forceful in your opinions. Let them know how you feel about this nonsense that's going on, not only at the TDSB, of course, it's, a, it's province-wide. Let's not have Richard Bilkso's death by suicide happen in vain. 
He was bullied and harassed and shamed and ridiculed and isolated and canceled and dehumanized by a bully. The director of the Kojo Institute, contracted by the TDSB, labeled a white supremacist, defamed. He took his life. And it'll happen again if we don't do something about it. First thing the TDSB needs to do, of course, is immediately suspend this contract with this odious organization called the Kojo Institute and its director, Kiki Ojo Thompson. My understanding is the lawsuit against the TDSB by the uh, Bilkso family will continue for three quarters of a million dollars. It should be 10 times that amount at least. And I hope to God they win that court case. In the meantime, Minister of Education Stephen Leachy has to just show up. Please show up and do your job. At the very least, you can order the TDSB to suspend that contract with the Kojo Institute. Second, fire the education of director, the uh, rather the director of education at the TDSB, Colleen Russell Rollins, who is certifiable. She is off the rails. She has run amok, along with many of the other school trustees on the board. Where are you, Stephen Leachy? You have to rein in this out-of-control school board. And if you're a parent, wake up. You're sending your child to a school. Their test scores are plummeting. They're not focusing on the basics, the math, English. Your child is learning indigenous cooking, steel pan drumming, which is fine, I suppose, occasionally, but not at the expense of the basics, math, writing. 289-275-9600, Coming up in the next segment, James Pugh will be here from Woke Watch Canada and our anti-woke book club. In uh, hour two, Dan McTagg, president of Afford- uh, Canadians for Affordable Energy, will be here. We'll talk about climate Barbie, Catherine McKenna, who left uh, the Liberal cabinet in disgrace after... Uh, losing track of about $50 billion in taxpayer-funded infrastructure projects. Now she's accusing the conservatives of being arsonists because they object to a carbon tax. And by objecting to the carbon tax, that somehow makes them responsible for wildfires in Yellowknife, caused by arson, and Kelowna, cause unknown at this time. Inexcusable the way this nut job would politicize these tragedies. We'll get Dan McTagg's uh, take on that. And uh, John O'Connor, U.S. attorney, will be here. We'll talk about the uh, the latest indictment against Donald Trump from the state of Georgia. There are um, serious indications, credible indications, that that indictment was ordered from Washington. And we'll uh, find more about uh, find out more about that. John O'Connor, U.S. Attorney, will be here later in the second hour. And of course, don't uh, forget our Greek word of the week coming your way right after the news at five. 
which you will enter into the contest entry form at saga960am.ca and you'll possibly walk away. We'll do the draw on September the 1st. You'll walk away with a seven-night voucher for the Cretan Dream Resort and Spa on the island of Crete, which will be good uh, anytime from June through September in 2024. All right. The Anti-Woke Book Club is coming your way next. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. James Pugh is an entrepreneur, father, and independent writer with Woke Watch Canada. WokeWatchCanada.com. And uh, his latest essay, he's taking a look at a, uh, a, bu- a book by Eric Kaufman. It's called White Shift, Populism, Immigration, and the Future of White Majorities. James Pugh, welcome back. How are you? Let's try it again. I'm doing there? Good, Richard. How's uh, how's Greece? Terrific. Greece is wonderful. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit, first of all, uh, who is Eric Kaufman? Eric Kaufman's actually a Canadian. Um, he's uh, He lives in Britain, though. He's at the University of London. He's a political scientist, um, but what is interesting about him is he's sort of actually also a scholar of nationalism. But what's really interesting in his work is he combines a, a very uh, James, uh, you're breaking up. up. I don't know if uh, if you can hear me, but you're really breaking up. Um, I, I can hear you. Okay, is that better? Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's let's plow ahead. All right. So sorry. He's uh, Eric Kaufman. Is a political scientist, Canadian, living in Britain. And uh, then sort of the rest got kind of lost there. So, to- Yeah, well, a unique feature of his work uh, is not just a political scientist, but he, he combines a very sophisticated level of social demography. Um, so there's a lot of surveys where people are asked questions about, you know, things like immigration and cultural issues and things like that. But I'll, uh, uh, he calls it the gold standard of demographic research because it's a type of surveys where people will answer honestly can you hear me oh no we're breaking yeah not very well james unfortunately yeah i think we're gonna have to let you go it's it's i'm getting every third or fourth word uh my apologies maybe there's an issue with the your internet or uh but we'll we'll try to resolve that for the next time um and we'll 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 pick it up right here and we'll we'll take a look at this uh this um book the next time we speak white shift Populism, Immigration, and the Future of White white Majorities by Eric Kaufman. Uh, James Pugh is an independent writer with Woke Watch Canada, wokewatchcanada.com. My apologies. We'll try to get that fixed uh, for the next time. All right. Why don't we just uh, open up the phone lines once again at uh, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And uh, if you'd like to address what is happening at the... Uh, not only the Toronto District School Board, but really school boards throughout the province. Um, I, I, I have uh, two children in uh, high school in the Toronto District School Board. They were homeschooled for about four years. Um, they go to an all-boys Catholic school. And uh, we, you know, we, we keep a pretty close watch on uh, what is happening in terms of their uh, curriculum. And if there's something that we object to, we don't hesitate to, you know, email the principal or the vice principal or the teacher and, uh, you know, raise our objections. And we also feel that after four years of homeschool and we feel that our, our, our twin boys are um, sufficiently inoculated, if you will, against a lot of this DEI nonsense, diversity, 
uh, equity and inclusion, which I have renamed um, um, DEI. What did I rename it? <laughs> uh, anyway, it's uh, DEI is diversity, equity, inclusion. Geez, what did I rename it? Uh, anyway, I sort of took the opposite approach with it. It's uh, indoctrination is the I, E is the exclusivity, and D is discrimination. That's it. Discrimination, uh, exclusion, and indoctrination. <laughs> um, so as parents, you really have to get involved, either at the school level, go to the, the parent-teacher nights, um, interview the teachers, find out what they're teaching, how they're teaching it. If there's something there that doesn't sit right with you, push back respectfully. Push back. Um, I objected to a lot of the climate change nonsense that was being pushed in um, in our boys' class, and I challenged the teacher to to provide the the other side. Um, and it was a very civil, you know, conversation over email. The teacher asked for documentation and articles and videos, which I provided. Um, they weren't included in the class to my satisfaction. However, we certainly put them on notice. And then, you know, we speak to our children, our, our boys, about our views on climate change. So they, if they don't get that balance in the class, they certainly don't. They get it at home. They get the other side at home. So that's another thing you can do. Provide the balance at home that they're not getting in the class or show up at the school board meetings. And there is one happening in the Toronto district school board, August 30th, 7 PM, 5,500 young street, North of Shepherd, 7 PM, August 30th, show up as a parent, speak out, let them know, let these trustees know, let the education director know they're failing. And they work for you and not the other way around. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Coming up a little bit later in the second hour, John O'Connor will be here, U.S. Attorney. We'll talk about the, uh, the latest indictment against Donald Trump. This one coming from the state of Georgia, Fulton County, a district attorney there. Um, Newt Gingrich former Speaker of the House, released a bombshell about this uh, latest indictment, again, from the state of Georgia against Trump. And um, basically what this indictment does is it makes it illegal to make a phone call or hold a meeting claiming that Trump and more than a dozen others engaged in illegal actions to contest the 2020 election results. What, the way that Al Gore contested the 2000 election results, particularly in Florida? That wasn't illegal. It's not illegal to have an opinion about whether an election was fair or not. Anyway, now a report at PJ Media that uh, Newt Gingrich has confirmed, according to a reliable source, told the former speaker the orders for this indictment came from Washington, D.C., in, order, in other words, the DOJ, I would imagine, ordered this Fulton County prosecutor, Fannie Willis, to bring charges against Trump. 
And the reason for it was Washington needed a distraction from the screw up involving David Weiss. He was recently appointed special counsel to continue the government's never ending investigation of Hunter Biden on tax and gun charges. And uh, Weiss actually was the U.S. attorney involved in offering offering Hunter Biden a sweetheart deal of uh, a plea to a couple of uh, misdemeanors and uh, a diversion program to get rid of a long list of tax and gun felonies. Here's the problem. Merrick Garland, the attorney general, his appointment of Weiss as special counsel um, is not on because he's not supposed to be in a, a government employee. He's supposed to be from outside of government. Weiss is a former district attorney. So his appointment is being called into question. So now Washington needs a distraction. So they get on the phone with this district attorney in Atlanta, Fulton County, and say, you have to indict Trump. We have to cover up all the mistakes we just made with Weiss. This is Newt Gingrich telling uh, Charlie Kirk in an interview. And unfortunately, uh, or well, unfortunately for Merrick Garland, the uh, district attorney in Fulton County said, well, her jurors weren't returning until Tuesday. She couldn't indict. So the, the person on the other end of the phone from the DOJ said, you didn't hear me. You have to indict Trump on Monday. Willis said, well, they're not going to get here before noon. Washington says that doesn't matter. Willis says this means it's going to be eight or nine o'clock, uh, eight or nine or ten o'clock at night. They said it doesn't matter. We don't know who made the call. It was probably someone from the DOJ, but it was from Washington. So this all uh, sort of explains why they leaked. And then they messed up uh, on the, uh, the that clerk document that got leaked before the grand jury was even there to vote. Do you remember that? The indictment was leaked online even before the grand jury had assembled to vote on it. So in other words, they were being pressured by Washington. And then, of course, Fannie Willis shows up at a press conference at 11 o'clock at night and she's exhausted. She was ordered from Washington. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. To do this indictment. We'll get into that with uh, John O'Connor, U.S. Attorney, a little bit later in uh, the second hour. All right, hour two coming up. Dan McTagg from the Canadians for Affordable Energy. Uh, we'll be here. We'll talk about uh, climate change Barbie. Catherine McKenna and her reprehensible remarks about conservatives being arsonists for opposing a carbon tax. 
back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right after these. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot. But don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way, including my conversation with U.S. Attorney John O'Connor. And we'll talk about the latest indictment uh, against Donald Trump from the state of Georgia. There are indications from a reliable source, apparently, who told former House Speaker Newt Gingrich that that request... Not that, not a request, a demand uh, that Trump be indicted came from Washington, D.C. Someone in Washington, maybe Merrick Garland, I don't know, the source wasn't named, picked up the phone and told Atlanta District Attorney uh, Willis she had to indict Trump by Monday. She had to in, in, uh, indict him by Monday. They needed a distraction because of the fiasco of the special, the appointment of special counsel David Weiss which was uh, who was presiding over the never-ending Hunter Biden investigation. And um, it was complete cock-up, and they needed a distraction, and so they told Willis in Fulton County, indict him Monday night. When she replied, well, the grand jury won't be here until Tuesday, doesn't matter. Indict him Monday night. And that's why it got leaked online before the grand jury even had an opportunity to vote on it. They couldn't wait for the grand jury to show up. She was under strict orders. Indict him Monday night. Anyway, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll also speak with Dan McTagg here, here in just a moment, president of uh, Canadians for Affordable Energy, about uh, climate change Barbie and her uh, big mouth calling conservatives who oppose her carbon tax uh, arsonists. Like they're responsible for the wildfires in Yellowknife, well, which was arson. And Kelowna, we don't know what caused uh, that fire as yet. It may have been arson, maybe not. We Wildfires happen every year. Some years are worse than others. Uh, but first, I want to give you another chance to win seven nights at the incredible Crete and Dream Resort and Spa on the island of Crete. 
cretandreamresort.gr for more information. Check out the photo gallery. It's just a spectacular, luxurious five-star resort. And again, you could win seven nights there. A voucher good from June through to September of 2024. Contest rules are at saga960am.ca, saga960am.ca. And you're going to want to type this Greek word of the week into the contest entry form there. The draw happens September the 1st. And your Greek word of the week is, I'll give it to you in English and in Greek. You can use either. The sea. Sea, as in the ocean. The sea. Or in Greek, if you'd rather, ithalasa. Ithalasa. The sea. Ithalasa. All right. Type that into the contest entry form. Be listening uh, next Monday for another Greek word of the week. And uh, good luck. All right, classless Catherine McKenna attacking conservatives as arsonists for simply opposing a carbon tax. Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, is here. Dan, I'm sure you're delighted with McKenna's comments. (laughs) Well, she certainly fits the bill. Um, The Trudeau gang, uh, the Trudeau uh, types that uh, have nothing better to do but find creative ways to divide, insult um, and actually act in a way that's nothing short of hypocritical. I mean, it, this is what the Trudeau government is all about. It's divide. It's misinformation. If you don't agree, they'll insult you. So, of course, people like me who spent 18 years as a liberal member of parliament um, like to insult right back because that's all they understand. And the people who support them ought to understand that what they're voting for is a very shallow group of people committed to destroying their ability to make ends meet. And at the end of the day, these are Malthusians. Richard, you and I have talked about it. They don't want the population. They want to live the world as they see fit. And you and I are not part of that. So this is not liberalism. Anybody who votes for Trudeau and his gang is not a liberal. Uh, anybody who thinks this is you know, about improving the human condition is deluding themselves. This is the same Catherine McKenna who gave $20 million to the Climate Action Institute. And uh, our friends over there, Rick Smith and all these other grifters, don't receive money from anything else. They can't raise a penny, but they can raise money by, you know, having you give them money so they can go around and tut tut all of us and tell us what a terrible job we're doing. These phonies need to be exposed and a new government needs to punt them. And to do that, I would suggest that the new incoming prime minister, whoever that should be, I hope it is Pierre Polyev, uh, is in fact uh, ready to put the pedal to the metal and restore audits for charities, all of them, because these are not charities. These are phonies. These are people who are using your money and mine to try to tell us how to, you know, build 32 billion bucks in EVs and other products that we don't need uh, as somehow uh, while China laughs and uh, build these things, spend this kind of money so that you and I don't drive anymore and that we uh, we somehow allow them bragging rights when they go back to the UN, which is where Catherine works now. By the way, she should give me back the half billion bucks she bloody well owes. So I, I'm only getting started with Catherine McKenna because <laughs> I, I've never met the woman, but I spent more time in politics than she has. She's a moron and she's a dangerous one. And anybody who subscribes to that kind of policy ought to really have themselves checked in because mentally they're not stable. Neither is she. This is a, uh, a a woman who skulked away from her cabinet position in disgrace and, you know, just simply decided not to run again because she 
somehow lost track of $52 billion of taxpayer money that was supposed to be spent on infrastructure projects. Mm -hmm. She couldn't account for any of it. She simply threw up her hands and went, whoops, I'll try to do better next time. And then, as you say, now she's landed another cushy job at some, I don't know, climate change czar at the um, at the United Nations. Um, But not only is it was it, I think, reprehensible uh, to use these, you know, tragedies in Yellowknife and Kelowna, um, and uh, by extension, I guess what also happened on Maui, because they're claiming that's climate change as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, but to, to politicize it in that way, but then also, secondly, it just her argument makes no sense. Like you're, you're the conservatives are criticizing the carbon tax, but the carbon tax is still in place, and obviously, it hasn't done anything to reduce. Carbon, uh, uh, carbon yeah. dioxide emissions. The, the federal government has has missed every single uh, reduction goal that they've ever, uh, you know, um, attempted. Um, I mean, her, her not only is she just a horrible person, she just her logic is just out the window. They're neurotic. Uh, let's admit it. They're hypochondriacs. They're climate hypochondriacs. Uh, they uh, they yell. They scream. They don't tell you. Of course, they're making some money on the side. Because if you take away that thing, what if tomorrow we said no more money for these organizations? You know, what if Anthony Gutierrez is the hypocrite to, in, in, in principle, in chief, were to simply fly away and stay in Spain and stop, you know, uh, adding to the carbon footprint? If all these people were to leave, these individuals would not survive. I don't think they would do a very good job even in the, in the real world where hard people are trying to make ends meet because of their prescriptions. Uh, so at the end of the day, um, people like this, uh, have been enabled and they've been enabled by a compliant reticent oh gosh oh golly oh shucks we can do and we should do better and that was the thing for the past seven or eight years corporations manufacturers um well-intentioned people uh said yeah let's go along with this but they can't when they look at the cost of food and they see their neighbors are you know floundering financially they see that the cost of living has gone through the roof, that the banks, Bank of Canada and other uh, other oversight central banks around the world are raising interest rates to combat inflation created by green energy. And those who believe that this is the way we have to go are completely blind to what is actually happening in the real world. Russia and China and India and Indonesia don't really care. They will continue to produce and they will continue to increase demand while we sit back and allow, well, for lack of a better term, we allow people like Catherine McKenna uh, and other faux uh, pretenders to tell us uh, and to insult. But, you know, that's part of the political game. It means that the United Nations has now taken a view that it has to support all those left-wing fanatics and fruitcakes. That's fine. Let them do that. But not a penny should go to the UN or any other organization if this is their, their, their calling card. If this is what they're all about, this isn't about internationalism. This is about striving to protect and save the human condition. This is about destroying it and damaging it. These are bad news bears. You know, these are people for the past 60 years have been saying that the world will come to an end. There'll be no more polarized caps. We'll all be underwater. The world will burn up. Take your pick. They've been doing this since the Club of Rome. They've got it wrong. And they know that the only way in which they can stop people from realizing their nonsense is to continue insulting, berating, and then spending billions of dollars, not just on widgets that don't work, but also so-called scientists, faux scientists, 
who won't involve themselves with the, with the scientific method uh, and who can be bought to come to particular answers uh, and conclusions that can always only mean, you know, more alarmism, more catastrophism, more climate bedwetting. And meanwhile, the federal cabinet flew all of their private jets. Uh, they've completely clogged up the uh, the airport in, in uh, Prince Edward Island, and they've <laughs> gathered there to discuss. You got you guessed it, climate change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the hypocrisy never ends. Uh, Dan, we'll take a quick time out, come back and uh, discuss further. Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, back with more of our conversation right here on the Richard Serrett Show in three minutes. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. We're back with Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. I don't know if you saw this story, Dan, but um, I was reading this on uh, Zero Hedge. The um, CEO of Ford, Jim Farley, uh, admitted, uh, I guess on Twitter, or we should call it X now. I can't call it X on Twitter. Uh, Jim Farley admits he underwent a reality check when he tried to make a cross-country road trip in uh, the Ford Electric F-150. Um, what, what he meant by reality check, he said it took him 40 minutes at a charging station to charge his truck just to 40 percent, 40 minutes. Nope. Uh, so basically the CEO uh, of Ford is admitting, yeah, these EV vehicle or these EVs are just junk. Yeah, uh, but they don't have to worry about that because your federal liberal government is quite willing to subsidize them to the hill. Um, they're lo- losing 32000 bucks on every EV they build. That's Ford. That's their own admission. But they can cover that because you have a willing federal government and stupidity in the United States with a Biden administration doing its, you know, uh, spending through the uh, – uh, the IRA. I wish they wouldn't use that word. Um, uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it, it brings back some history, especially for us Irish people. But I, I digress. Here you have now a credit downgrade in the United States because of that spending. Here you have interest rates going up because of that spending. Here you have the president of a company not being able to realize that uh, the product of their building is not as reliable, effective, uh, or as useful as the F-150. So I encourage Ford. It's number one brand. It's gotten out of the car, passenger car business. Uh, I encourage them. Make all your trucks electric, folks. Because sooner or later, one of the governments is going to wake up someday and say, we're broke, we're bankrupt, we can't give any more money. The grift ends, and we'll see what happens to Ford. May very well go the way of GM and other companies whose only existence is by virtue of your tax and mine and hard people people are hard pressed to make ends meet have to spend 32 billion bucks in this country to incentivize companies uh that uh, might give us one dollar back for every two that we give that's insane by the way that 32 billion bucks probably comes from the oil and gas sector mm. the same oil and gas sector these hypocrites and fools want to kill oh the irony uh are you hearing uh, anything from the conservative camp on when and if, well, if and when they're elected uh, in 2025, whether they'll abandon this whole, uh, you know, this mandate that all new vehicles uh, by, is it 2030 or 2035 must be EVs? Yeah, yeah we're 2035. But yes, I mean, it's pretty clear we'll only do what the United States does. Uh, I suspect the conservatives will have to do more than just say we're going to oppose and scrap the carbon tax. That's, you know, that's window dressing. You have to go after net zero. 
the fantasies around net zero, another creation of the World Economic Forum of the United Nations. This idea that, uh, you know, whatever you emit, you have to have a corresponding ability to abate whatever you're putting out. It's this is the granddaddy of all the other stuff, of all the just transition nonsense of, you know, eliminating tens of thousands of jobs, billions of dollars in economic activity so that these people can become coders and janitors. Uh, this is the same you know, policy gives you the great reset, the blocking of pipelines, the emissions caps while China smiles and waves and can't believe just how stupid we are as a country and how stupid we are as a block. By the way, I had a couple of conversations with people saying, uh, you know, what happens now? The United States, the fracking is now starting to fall, it's starting to diminish. They're finding their wells are no longer as uh, as 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 profitable and as producing as they were. Uh, too bad they shut down their pipeline building to Canada. And some said, well, we don't like heavy oil. Yeah. So diesel shortage right now. You can't make it with fracked, light, tight oil. So uh, all this comes back to the fact that we do need a government that is a little smarter, has its ear closer to the ground, and isn't prepared to put up with the schlock that the federal, I don't even call them that, they're not liberals, the federal cultists are putting out. I think what it really comes down to, though, is reality. People are starting to see it. They can't afford to make ends meet. And it's the only thing that's going to get them, especially here in Toronto, Mississauga, Oakville, Pickering, Brampton, to wake the hell up. You voted three times for these morons. You can't afford them a fourth time. So I think the Conservatives have an opportunity. I hope they don't squander it. I hope they're very sincere about getting rid of net zero because anything else, as I say, is just window dressing. It's really cutting around the edges. You need to get rid of the cancer called net zero. The cracks are forming uh, elsewhere as well. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, British uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak uh, basically is saying, you know, we're going to max out on fossil fuel in the UK. We're going to go for energy independence. He sounds like Donald Trump in that regard. He's approved 100, more than 100 uh, drilling contracts in the North Sea. Is I mean, the the fact that you've got the UK now breaking from the pack in this regard – that pretty much says it all, doesn't it? It does. And the Conservatives are down 20 points uh, below the the Labour Party. Uh, Keir Starmer knows full well that even if he comes to power, he has to recognize that the the fantasy, the stupidity of renewals will not be enough to save that economy. Britain has zero money, zero. They have spent every last dime they have. They don't have the flexibility and they cannot, you know, be borrowing from other countries. So why not look after what you have under your ground, what you have around you? Norway's doing it. Saudi Arabia is doing it. Everyone is getting back into the business. So now with Britain now deciding, hey, maybe it's time to reverse course. That leaves the thumb sucking dolts that represent Canada saying there's no business case. The United States just signed a $150 billion deal with Germany. That's the same damn deal. Our prime minister said, no, uh, there's no uh, there's no business case. Let me remind people at a hospital today in Mississauga, if you can't get good services, that's because that's on you. You voted liberal. You voted for Trudeau. So there's no business case. We haven't got the money to build you better hospitals to give you the service you deserve. So bottom line, you know, Richard, I'm trying to be polite as a 19, 18-year liberal member of parliament. For God's sakes, voters, smarten up. Throw these bums out. They're not liberals, and they're certainly not there to help you. Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, affordableenergy.ca. Check out the newsroom. Some great articles there. Dan, always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Richard. Cheers. My pleasure.
All right, let's open up the lines one more time. Try this again. 289, is anyone out there? 289-275-9600-289-275-9600-289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show and your calls right after these. The Bull Session continues on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Phone lines very slow today. I don't know, people not in a chatty mood, perhaps? I know we're getting down to the uh, the end of summer. And... Uh, People just want to put their feet up, enjoy a cold one, and relax a little bit. Maybe catch a football game soon, right? Football season. I'm not a big football fan, per se. Once upon a time, I was when I had a little bit more time. Uh, And I know it's just sports. Uh, And in the grand scheme of things, it's not, you know, um, a a huge deal. However, I think it's an indication, the story I'm about to relate to you, it's an indication uh, that uh, wokeism is on the run which is always encouraging. So there's a, a new owner um, in Washington, D.C., in Washington, D.C., of the um, the team formerly known as the Washington Redskins. And of course, uh, he uh, now they're called the uh, what are they? The Washington Commanders or something. Is that what they're called? Yeah, the Washington Commanders. I don't know what that means. Anyway, the new owner in Washington wants to take the team uh, he's on record as saying he wants to take the team back to its its glory days of the 1980s, which would be what Joe Theismann and um, I guess they won a Super Bowl back in the early 80s, if I recall. So many of the fans in Washington are now rallying behind an American Indian group's petition to reclaim the old Redskins name and logo. In other words, they want to reverse this wokeism. It's uh, a petition at change.org petition. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Change.org, rather. And it's uh, this petition is the creation of the Native American Guardians Association, or NAGA. And the petition is titled, Change the Washington Commanders Back to the Washington Redskins. Again, this petition has been started by a Native American group. And uh, the petition started on June the 21st. It had passed 122,000 signatures as of, uh, I guess, today. 122,000 signatures for a football team. Not getting much uh, established media coverage, of course. 
The uh, petition states, we are passionate supporters of the Washington Redskins and its rich history. We write to you today as a collective voice urging you to reconsider the recent name change from the Redskins to the Commanders. We believe that restoring the original name, the Redskins, is the right decision for the team, its loyal fan base, and the legacy it represents. The uh, NAGA petition continues. Again, this is a Native uh, American group. The petition continues. The name Redskins carries deep cultural, historical, and emotional significance, honoring the bravery, resilience, and warrior spirit associated with Native American culture. It was never intended as a derogatory or offensive term, but as a symbol of respect and admiration. Changing the name, changing the name abruptly disregards the positive legacy that the Redskins name has built over the years and disorients the passionate fans who have invested their emotions, time and unwavering support in the team. A 2016 poll. This is interesting now. A 2016 poll of 504 Native Americans by the leftist Washington Post found that a whopping 90 percent had no problem. 90% of the Native Americans polled. 90% had no problem with the Redskins' name being attached to the NFL franchise, which, of course, draws fans from uh, not only D.C., but neighboring uh, Virginia and um, Maryland, I would suppose. That overwhelming support had remained unchanged since a 2004 survey of 1,000 American Indians from across the nation by the Annenberg Public Policy Center. The uh, Washington Post story revealed that much like the rest of America, there is a wide gap between everyday American Indians polled and vocal elites from the left-leaning activist groups like the National Congress of American Indians, which vehemently opposed the Redskins' name. There you go. So could we see the... uh, the Washington commanders go back to the the Washington Redskins. 90% in the latest poll of uh, Native Americans said they're totally fine with the name Washington Washington Redskins. All right, uh, let's see, who do we have here? I'm not sure who this is on the line. It's someone calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. Uh, good day, uh, Richard. Uh, today is uh, the day I decided to call you. Um, All right, and I'd like to say, yes, hi, Richard. I'm hoping you're having a good time in Greece, I guess. Um, Wonderful time, yes. To enjoy whatever we have. Um, i like to say today I heard uh, on one of the shows that Christian Freeland said maybe the democracies run their final uh, course, so to say, and then t- it's time a uh, suggestion to switch to authoritarian state. And uh, I understand there was a um, uh, time when it was mentioned that uh, Chinese do not like democracies to continue because uh, it uh, kind of uh, threatens their authoritarian state. It's like two competitive uh, opposite ideologies, so to say, or systems. Also, I'd like to mention that uh, probably uh, Chinese would like to have all the democracies out, of course, because otherwise their people want democracies, and uh, one or the other will prevail. So uh, also I remember that Klaus Schwab 
mentioned in the past that uh, economic uh, systems which are based on democracies are not competitive right now with authoritarian states because apparently there is a lot of all this division in democratic systems, also corruption, and people are bought and whatever, like uh, Chinese would not let anyone to buy their own, uh, you know, like we have here some people, uh, all the police stations, whatever, judges and whatever, all this uh, media um, uh, kind of, this is uh, the problem in democracies because they are unstable and uh, they are in danger right now, but uh, what do we have better than, uh, so to say, as Churchill said, there's nothing uh, like, you know, better than democracies. It's the worst system except for all the rest. Yeah, I think the, right. the, the, the Cap, um, uh, Freeland, uh, that was a speech, a commencement speech at a, I think it was an American university. And basically she was saying, this is the number one issue facing us today, the future or, or whether or not uh, capitalist democracy is still viable. So basically, she's she's totally playing into the the um, this whole notion uh, that that we need to revert to uh, a stakeholder capitalism, which comes right out of the World Economic Forum, you know, where her um, where she sits as a board member, uh, which to me is totally unacceptable. The World Economic Forum does not represent the values of a uh, a Western democracy. And uh, she shouldn't be serving two masters. She cannot sit on the board and remain as finance minister. Anonymous, thank you for the call. We'll come back with U.S. Attorney John O'Connor and a look at the uh, the latest indictment against President Trump. Back with more in a moment. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m. John O'Connor is a U.S. attorney and the author of Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened, and Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism, also host of the Mysteries of Watergate podcast, postgatebook.com. For more information, John, welcome back. How are you? Hey, good good to be with you, Richard. We haven't had a chance to talk about the uh, the latest uh, indictment. This is uh, what the fourth set of indictments in five months for President Trump. Um, this one is a little different. Well, it's it's similar to the one out of New York because it's a state uh, level uh, indictment rather than a federal indictment, which means, I guess, that one of the big concerns here is that Trump wouldn't be able to pardon himself or or even, uh, you know, some other president wouldn't be able to pardon him. Um, what else jumps out at you uh, in terms of this uh, this this indictment? Um, well, by the Fulton County District Attorney. Sure. It is most like in terms of substance, it's most like Jack Smith's second indictment out of D.C. for the January 6th um, indictment. Now, these are incredibly broad charges. I mean, both of them. Let's go to Atlanta. Let's skip over Smith's because Smith does the same thing. In, in Atlanta, there are over 100 separate acts that comprise this conspiracy. Many of them, one act might be eight supposed lies. Well, on this day, he told so-and-so that there were 2,500 dead people, so many prisoners, so many uh, unregistered aliens, et cetera, et cetera. That's one, one act. Now, and the whole basis of the indictment is that Trump uh, knowingly uh, knew that he had lost in both cases, that he knew he lost the election. Well, does he have the ability, Richard, I ask you uh, rhetorically, 
to come in and say, no, when I said those things, I believe them. And here's why. Now give me the next two months for me to go through the evidence just on Michigan. And then we'll have another month for Arizona and another month for you name it, Wisconsin. These are huge, unwieldy claims. And Jack Smith's got the same deal going in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. In other words, they're giving they're giving Trump an opportunity to relitigate the 2020 election in before the court. Right. And they had not allowed him to do it before. In all of those 30 some cases that he filed in each one of them, the courts never reached the merits. They never said, "Okay, let's sit down in court and you prove why you say that we should have you should have won in Georgia or Arizona or wherever. That never happened. In each case, the court said, no, I'm not going to do this for various reasons. And I think they're all good because you really can't get into saying, even though you may have done something wrong, the state may have done something irregular or wrong. How do you know that the number of votes would have been changed to favor Trump? That's an Olympian undertaking and you can't do it in a, in a regular court. Now, having said that, and I believe that Trump should have been disallowed from bringing from having trials on the merits to see if the election was actually fair and free. Nobody ever ruled that. Nobody ever said, gee, I've looked at all the evidence, and I will tell you that there are only 100 questionable votes and everything else is nonsense. No, nobody ever did that. So now Trump has these two cases in which the allegations are, you know you lost, and you made false claims about about having lost. Doesn't that open the door for Trump to say, no, wait a second, before I go to jail— Let me show the jury why I believed what I said, even if you maybe at the end think that there weren't twenty five hundred dead people. There may be only twenty one hundred. I was substantially correct. Now, I do not see in Georgia. I do not see that case. I'm not talking about the preparation for trial as a trial lawyer. if, If the judge lets the criminal defendant have his rights, I don't see a case like this being tried in under two years. I'm saying two years in court. Um, and that, that's how long these things take. You take a, a, a smaller issue and you're going to be there for two or three weeks, but you have. Well, well plus there's like 18 co-defendants, right? And they're all being tried at the same time. They're all well, going to have a, appeals. They're all going to have their little wranglings. This thing could drag on for five years. Right. And if, and if you ever do get to trial, which may not happen because of all these appeals, do you have 19 people cross-examining each witness? I mean, it's bizarre. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Uh, so, yes, uh, there are so many. Uh, th- then the second aspect of this is there's the federalism issue. Since Mark Meadows, for example, 
is alleged to have done things within his own scope as chief of staff, there's a very good argument, and Trump himself as a president, there's a very good argument that this case should go to federal court. Now, it doesn't make these things federal crimes. I think they would still be Georgia crimes tried in federal court. But I think you have to try a president for a presidential act or his staff in a federal court. So this thing, Richard, is just a pile of nothing. And I'm not so sure that this wasn't by design. It will be impossible for Trump to run for president with these charges hanging over him. And that's why I told you before that I really have real serious concerns about him. John, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and uh, discuss further the uh, the latest indictment, the fourth indictment in five months for President Trump. John O'Connor, U.S. attorney, postgatebook.com, the website, postgatebook.com. Back with more in a moment. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Great. Welcome back. John O'Connor stays with us, the author of Postgate. How the Washington Post betrayed Deep Throat, covered up Watergate and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. Also, the author of The Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened, postgatebook.com. John, I got a, a couple of points I want you to address, so I, I got to move quickly here. One is the, the fact that they're using the RICO Act, which is kind of ironic because one of the co-defendants, Rudolph Giuliani, very effectively used RICO in putting a bunch of mobsters behind bars when he was a district attorney in New York. Uh, But the RICO Act, why the RICO Act for uh, basically would amount to a bunch of word crimes? Well, RICO gives you a lot of flexibility in your evidence. It's like a conspiracy case on steroids. It is a conspiracy case. But but if you can convince the jury or, or I guess first the judge that this is a, quote, organization, I mean, it's a it's I suppose it's a a a group of like minded politicos. Uh, so I guess you would call that an organization. But basically, they're people who wanted to uh, challenge the election results. So uh, it, it is a way of getting a lot of uh, facts and evidence that so you can take 50 people over here and say they're part of the organization. They're 30 unindicted co-conspirators and use those statements in evidence against Trump. In other words, normally that's hearsay. If Richard Surratt says, oh, I know John O'Connor uh, is guilty of taking a bribe from me, and, and, and somebody testifies that you made that statement out of court, that does not come into evidence. Now, if the court finds that you and I are conspiring, that can come into evidence. So that's the reason for this RICO, and that's the reason there are 50, count them, 50 conspirators in this thing. Uh, so the, the second... Yeah. The the second question is, um, how is it any different uh, when when Donald Trump is questioning the election, calling up uh, officials and saying, listen, you know, I think there's some skullduggery here. I want you to find, you know, to find those votes. How is that any different than Al Gore protesting the hanging chads in Florida in 2000 and, and objecting to the way that that was, you know, what's the difference? There isn't any difference. That's exactly what Al Gore was doing. Now, he may have looked for a lesser amount, he might have said, gee, I want to find 600 or 700 votes. But that's what he was searching for. He was searching for that uh, those votes. So there's nothing wrong with saying find the votes. Trump clearly felt that there were votes that were fraudulent or or what have you. And that the Georgia people were not doing enough to go ferret them out. 
Now, it's my view, of course, that that's pretty much an impossible task. I mean, how are you going to do that? Are you going to go to every nursing home and find out what happened to these people and whether they were compass mentis and did they really sign these things and were they competent to do so? You can't do it. It's too unwieldy. But, you know, that's it's the same thing Al Gore did. It's the exact same thing. And we all applauded Al. And I said myself, I was interviewed and said, I don't like his arguments, but I will defend to the death his right to make them. And that's what we should be doing with Trump. And we should be taking a heed here from the many people who felt their irregularities in this election for starting a healing process and a reformist process. But that's exactly the opposite of what's happened. They're criminalizing political differences, which is the worst thing you can do. Right, right. And the chill, uh, because many of his co-defendants are his lawyers. So, I mean, there may be an 11th Amendment issue there, um, you know, um, and a First Amendment issue, just like with the Jack Smith uh, indictment. Um, You know, you have a right. uh, You have a right to question an election. Lord knows Hillary Clinton did it for four years after 2016. Um, So. um, The other question is, I mean, is this going to cause a chill so that if there's another election and next next time the Democrats might oppose it? And what lawyer is going to want to sign on to that, uh, you know, case and say, yeah, I'll help you fight this election? Well, that's the problem. I mean, look at all the lawyers who have been shoved to the curb because of this. If you if you bring a case on behalf of Trump, somebody's going to try to disbar you. They're going to sue you. Uh, your speech is chilled. Your your zealous advocacy is chilled. That's the hallmark of a liberal Western society is having your own counsel and being able to make your arguments. This thing is chilled. Uh, so it's just fine for people to come up with outlandish stuff based upon Russian spies that Donald Trump is uh, colluding with Russians. But when somebody uses the regular process for sincere, heartfelt, even if ultimately unproven allegations, shouldn't you be able to do that? The First Amendment's not just a free speech. It's the right to, to petition your government for the redress of grievances, precisely what he was doing. Uh, you know, whereas Hillary Clinton wasn't doing that. She was just defaming uh, Trump and he she was uh, uh, distorting the use of the uh, counterintelligence agencies. Final question. Uh, Newt Newt Gingrich, former U.S. Speaker of the House, says he has a reliable source, unnamed, uh, that the call to the Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis, came from Washington, D.C. I don't know what that means, if that means Merrick Garland or someone in the DOJ ordering Willis to indict Trump. And the timeline was very tight. Remember when the, um, the the clerk document was leaked online? Um, ahead of time, even before the grand jury voted on it, it seems to play into this theory that someone called Willis, ordered her to indict by Monday night. She apparently responded, according to Gingrich, to this person on the other phone or on the other line. Uh, well, the grand jury isn't here. They won't be here till Tuesday. The voice said, no, you must indict Monday night. Um And so that's why the document got leaked before the grand jury assembled and voted. And apparently this has to do with, uh, according to Gingrich, the DOJ is so concerned about the appointment of David Weiss as a uh, a special counsel because that uh, to investigate Hunter Biden, that position is supposed to come from outside government. Weiss is a former district attorney. He's a government employee. He shouldn't have been chosen. So they wanted to distract 
from this problem. And so they ordered this indictment to come down on Monday night, which is why there was a press conference at like at 11 o'clock at night. And Fannie Willis was looking exhausted. It would, they were just on order to get it done Monday night. What do you make of that? Well, I think the Biden camp is so, so sensitive to the next shoe to drop. They just want to make sure that they uh, get there, start the action going before anything comes out. And I'm not so sure the worst thing that they thought was coming out was this David Weiss thing. I mean, I think there's all this stuff about the money laundering of the Biden family. So, yeah, I mean, but they've been coordinating all along. This was just the last bit of coordination in which I'm sure Willis had that indictment roughly drawn up a couple months ago, and she's probably refined it since then. But then the call comes and, okay, okay, I'll file it. So it's entirely believable. And the timing on these things, when you talk about the days, the timing to the day of Jack Smith's last indictment of Fannie Willis's, they're right in the heart of explosive revelations about Biden. So now the David Weiss thing, of course, the real problem with appointing David Weiss something, it's, it's a, you know, closing the barn door after the horse is out. All these statutes of limitations have lapsed, except for perhaps Farah. So there's very little the guy can do. Uh, yeah, he should be from outside government. I think there's some tenuous workaround that happened uh, before. I, I think uh, uh, I think Barb might have done it with Durham. There's a way, sort of a catch-all provision where the Justice Department can appoint uh, people to do things for it. But that's not my concern that he's out of government. My, my, my concern is he's been bottled up for four or five years, and now all of a sudden they're acting like uh, he, they're going to do this in the clean whistle way. And, uh, you know, he's already let the statutes lapse. All right, John, got to leave it there, but uh, we'll continue to watch this with uh, interest. John O'Connor, U.S. attorney, author of Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened, Postgate, and, of course, host of Mysteries of Watergate, the podcast, page uh, postgatebook.com, postgatebook.com for more information. John, thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. Take care. You too. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Money, and Ryan. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak to you at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Tuesday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. 
Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.